Okay, guys. Um, welcome back to Strip by Sia. We have a fun, exciting episode today. We are featuring the lovely Jennifer Summer Ashley, also known on stage as Summer Kitten Showgirl. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> she's, she's so much cuter in person. <laughs> like so, like so much shy. Well, not shyer, but like quieter than I thought. <laughs> Depends on my mood. Hopefully, you're in a good mood now. <laughs> but yes, we are going to be talking about a lot of things today. So aerial silks, aerial arts, law, lots of stuff, <laughs> lots of questions, guys. Holy shit, you guys sent in so many freaking questions. I don't even know how we're going to get through all of them, but we will try. So it might be a half and half episode, but we're gonna we're gonna go through it. So first, let's begin. Jen, can I call you Jen? Yeah, of course. Do you want to go ahead and define what you do in your own words, in your own terms? Sure. Okay, so I have a bunch of jobs. I am a stripper. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Things. Yes. Naked things. <laughs> I am also a teacher, so I teach silks and Pilates. Oh, Pilates too? Yeah. A yeah. Drawer. No. Oh, oh that's um, right. Yes, okay. Well, yes. We can plug that shit later. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> um, I also am a lawyer, so I take very limited criminal defense files. And what else do I do? Oh, you know what? I just got my lash lift oh. certification. Okay, yeah. we're going to plug all this so shit. So if anybody <laughs> wants their lashes lifted and tinted, let me know. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Oh my god, how uh, do you have time to do all this? <laughs> It's just, I think you and I just mentioned it's sort of like the new millennial way. Everyone has a bunch of different gigs going on, yes. and hopefully they all amount to one reasonable amount of income so that we <laughs> can live. That is a goal, because as we've said many times on this podcast, Vancouver is expensive. Yes. So, yeah, doing all the things, lots of jobs. I guess, which part do you want to go into first? There's so many different avenues. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's most important to me is dance. Hmm. Stripping is great. It also gives me the opportunity to fund other projects. So in September, I put together Circus After Dark, which was a intimate outdoor circus show, and it supported local circus artists, and it was at the Beaumont. Right. I heard about that. I saw lots of promo for that. It looked amazing. We're going to so do it again. Cool. Oh, yay! Yep. In the yep. summer or spring? or well, it's, it's going to be in the summer. Okay, sweet. Um, I'm thinking of doing another event in the spring, though, so stay tuned. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Stay tuned. <laughs> Wait, guys, stay tuned. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so how did you get started with dance? Did you have any background or training? Like, what's your story? How did you fall into stripping? <laughs> I, <laughs> I have been dancing for as long as I can remember. I think I started when I was three years old. I did ballet, I did classical Chinese dance, and it's just always been my life. It's a big part of your identity. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, I've gosh. often said, if I can't dance, I'll just die. <laughs> I know people say that, but that's just how I feel. But that's how much of an impact it's had on your life, obviously. You've had that from such a young age, obviously going into adulthood now. And so many different forms of dance as well. So you said ballet, obviously tons of training to do with that. It's also freaking hard. Oh my god. Ouch, my toes. (laughs) Um, I didn't really do a lot of point work. Okay. Um, I I did ballet as a kid, and then... I think as I got older, 
I stayed with Chinese dance, which was really good for character work. Mm-hmm. I did contemporary, and then I picked up pole, and then I picked up aerial work after. Okay, in that specific order. Yes. Good yes. God, that fucking siren. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't think I'll edit that up, but... <laughs> fucking siren. <laughs> fucking Hank's scream. But anyways, damn. Okay, so that's, that's a lot of work. Um, so wait, can you go back to that? So ballet... Then you did Chinese dance, and then you did... Contemporary and modern. Okay. And then pole, and then aerials. Aerials. Aerial workout. Holy fuck. Okay, holy crap. That's a lot of training. That's why you're so good at it. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. It helps I get by. They're interdisciplinary, so... Yes, absolutely. I do think that every dance style feeds into the other one, and that's how every dancer finds his or her own unique style from their training and what they take from it. Great. And did you get into pole just out of curiosity, or that was kind of like a next step, or you saw it? Like, how do you jump from contemporary dance? Oh, man, I always wanted to be a stripper. Yes! Yes. (laughs) Stripper life. (laughs) Yeah, I think I always wanted to be a stripper. Where did that come from? I don't remember exactly, but I do have one memory of being quite young and I was watching a movie or something and there was this girl on, I think a swing or something like that and she was at a club and men were throwing money at her and I was like, that job, I want that. That is what I aspire to do with my life. And I think it was my mom or something in the room and she was like... Jennifer, no, because she thought I didn't know what it meant, but I knew. I was like, oh, no, no, I know what that is. I want that. So, how old were you? I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember, but I must have been. Maybe like 10 or something. Maybe. I don't know. So, you obviously definitely understood at that point. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think pole was something that I just wanted to do for myself because coming from ballet and classical training, you don't have any upper body muscles you know right. you kind of have like the ability to hold your arms out in a floaty way but our muscles no right yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I took up pole I really liked it and a few years later I took up silks because I wanted something that was different definitely different <laughs> so beautiful I love I love aerial silks it looks so beautiful me too I just think about like Cirque du Soleil and just it just is a very, very beautiful art form. I so. I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> what do you think is harder? Do you think pole is harder or silks? They are both challenging in different ways. Mm-hmm. I would say because I started with pole. It's interesting because I personally prefer conditioning on silks or trapeze or hoop because mm-hmm. you can use both sides equally, whereas the pole, you're always... You're almost training imbalances. Right. You know. And they do say try to do it on both sides, but But even if you do it on both sides, you're not you're always gonna favor your good side if you're conditioning or if you're on stage. Even just the simple act of climbing, you gotta have one hand on top Mm -hmm. and that's gonna change the way your muscles develop. Right. But if you're on another apparatus, at least you have the option of using both arms equally at the same height. You know? Interesting. That's a very yeah. technical approach. I just have seen in my body and a lot of my friends all of the imbalances that you get from pole. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you get them from any apparatus. And you know, it's part of the human body isn't completely symmetrical anyway. But I do think that pole sort of 
trains and balances and sometimes makes them worse. And I know a lot of people who have injuries because of that. So many injuries. Yeah, so many injuries. Yeah. So, you know, I really try to balance out any pole training with something on a trapeze bar or silks. Do you still pull at all? I don't really train much, but I do have a pole at home. So I, I sometimes play. Oh, mm-hmm. I took a private with Janine Butterfly. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. It was what? honestly oh the god. best. Yeah. I so love jealous. her so much. She has been my pole idol since as long as I can remember. One of my idols too. <laughs> I love her so much. And I had kind of I hadn't really trained pole for a while because I was like, oh, I don't wanna fuck up my body more, blah blah. And once I took up silks, I was like, no, this is where I belong, in the air, you know? <laughs> um, but then when I was in Vegas the last time I set up a private with her and it was so great. It was yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Next time. Next time. I was yes. in Vegas in September and I ended up taking a prep with Jamila. Oh, nice. Yeah. So she's one of I my also love her. Too, and she's fucking crazy. Like, God. She's amazing. Seeing her abs in person, I was like, dude. Yeah, she's so great. <laughs> so crazy. But, okay, so now, so you've kind of fully, well, maybe not fully, but you're, you're mostly involved mainly in aerial silks then. Yes. But you also do, do you also do like hoops and trapeze and other apparatuses as well? Or? I have, yeah, I, I have done those apparatuses. I have a mini hoop that I travel with. A mini hoop? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> great. It's nice and easy and light. So it fits in a suitcase, which is important if you're traveling. Wow, that is really small. Mm-hmm. Is that, are you able to compress that or how do no, you? No, it's just, I think it's maybe. Like bendy. Tw- no, it's maybe twice. 12 inches in diameter. Really like, mini. Yeah. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just like that you can travel with it. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah, I've had to carry two giant aerial hoops down Granville Street in the middle of Saturday night before. It was just a, just a nightmare. <laughs> they were so heavy and people were like, hey, little girl, do you need help with those hula hoops? And I was like, they're not hula hoops. Well, I kept walking, yeah. It's awful. Fun. Yeah. Okay, so now, um, can you talk a bit more about your silk training and, like, how you incorporate that into stripping? How you would kind of incorporate all of your training, actually, because you have quite an extensive amount of training. I'm just really picky with the things that I do on stage. Mm-hmm. When I, when I, anytime before I go on stage, I sort of have goals for myself. I'm like, okay, this show, I want to work on this. Or this show, I just want to do this. And I guess I've been very fortunate in my life to work at clubs that let me do that. So for me, I'll focus on things like bringing aerial work or doing this thing on the bad side. Or sometimes it's just really simple, like engage your core more or have nice floaty fingers. And so because of that, I think I like to pick out elements from my training and from my background that are important to me and incorporate them into whatever I'm doing on, doing on stage. Where does that focus come from? Because most people... Um, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's like a cultural thing too, because you're, you're Chinese and your background is Chinese. Yes, but depends who's asking if I'm at work, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, was, I was speaking um, yesterday, I was recording with Naomi Weiss, and she's a Filipino dancer, and we we're talking about race and stuff, too, and, like, nice. the question about, like, what are you? And oh, that's a whole, yeah, another that's a whole other thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I wonder if that's, like, again, going back to your background, 
I wonder if that is like a cultural thing because I have I don't like know. Kind of very similar mindset. Maybe. To you as well. I don't think I'm not super close with my parents, but they never. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't Maybe. Know, yeah. Maybe the Asian upbringing. Who Maybe. Knows? <laughs> I don't really feel like my parents were typical Asian. No. Though to be honest, because I have friends who grew up in those households. And some of the things that they were subjected to, they, I never got that. Oh, like what? Like boys <laughs> or whatever. Mm. I had friends who started dating when they were in university. Oh, and their wow. parents were like, no. I have friends like and that And I was too. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I mean, my parents were kind of strict with me when I was younger. But that's just because I was the first child and they just didn't know what they were doing but I don't know if that was a cultural thing or not because I think that's like a, a cross cultures you know like the first kids like just don't die like, yeah. don't want to fuck it up <laughs> just don't die. yeah <laughs> so sometimes they're overbearing because they don't know what they're doing I don't know yeah <laughs> how did they did they ever find out that that you stripped oh I told them from day oh, one I told them yeah. wow you were super open about that yeah I mean I didn't really have a have a reason to hide it I, I've been fortunate really I've been really lucky were they pretty supportive of your decision doing that or were just like okay do what you want the thing about my parents is that I think they learned early on that for the sake of their mental health they can't really tell me what to do or what not to do because I'm just gonna do it anyway so I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> it's like well this is what you got you made me and now you just have to deal with it I mean, it's sort of, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't putting anyone in harm's way. It was something that I wanted to do. I was safe, you know, it just, I don't know. It's, I really do see stripping as a legitimate way to dance and make money. And if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have been able to do all the things that I've done, you know, go through law school, have a down payment for my Vancouver condo, put on my shows. I wouldn't be able to do that without stripping or it would be very hard. Yeah. And I'd be even more broke. Yeah. Or it would take like a lot longer. Exactly. So, So, I mean, these things are attainable, guys. Just how much do you want to sacrifice? And I see the stage, any stage as sort of an extension of training. Right. So if I'm if I'm dancing somewhere new as a stripper, I use that to further my training goals. As you should. Yeah. It's, it's very physical. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I always think about it whenever I'm on stage. It's like, okay, this is my third workout of the day or something like that. Because you're on stage for a long amount of time. Like you usually have upwards of 20 minutes per show and stuff too. And you use it in your whole body. Not only to do all these moves, but also... To make it look graceful and you are dancing in front of a crowd so you, you want to be able to put on a good show and also you know make it look effortless and flawless and you know smooth yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> all the things so going back i know you kind of went on a bit of a tangent there but, <laughs> but um it's really interesting and another reason why i approached you is that you're doing aerial silks as a stripper which i find is not very common I don't see that very often except for yeah because not a lot of clubs have rigging points (laughs) yeah lack of rigging points and also the heights an issue as well yeah I mean you can still get a decent amount done on a low rigging point um I have my tiny hoop for that I had a custom-made aerial spiral at one point so there's things you can do to work around it I just like it for a number of reasons first of all those are the types of shows that I want to put on like Mm -hmm. I like circus arts 
and it gives me a good excuse to take my shoes off. Yay! Because I know that pleasers are sort of part of the aesthetic, but I don't really like them. I just want to not wear shoes and be able to point my feet. Really, <laughs> what it is. It's just, reason. I'm just sick of having my feet in Barbie foot position forever. <laughs> yes. And I feel like my metatarsals are just constantly in protest. And I'm like, I just want to point my toes. So <laughs> also that. And I just think it's really beautiful work. But going back to what your comment on rigging, I was speaking with another artist. Emily Sound, I think that was like episode 11 or something, but she she did mention a couple points that there aren't a lot of clubs that offer safe rigging or it's just very sketchy and that's why she doesn't want to, she wants to do that more, but okay. it's <laughs> sketchy as fuck and she doesn't want to Dude. die. Sometimes the pole is even sketchy. Yes. This is a thing where strip clubs, some places are better than others, but they just don't always prioritize the safety of their dancers, which is really unfortunate. So yeah, that's definitely a thing. And as an aerialist, your rigging is your life. You have to be sure that you're safe. But I mean, it's the same with the pole. I've worked at places where the pole is definitely not safe. Definitely not safe. Yes. Do a bunch of floor work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've worked at places where there's been. I rolled on broken glass in strip clubs. Gosh. Having said that. Though I have also landed a jump in bare feet on broken glass when I was at a dance festival in Malaysia. So it's not just strip clubs that don't treat their dancers well, but strip clubs a lot of time do not treat their, their dancers well. Right. Or the, the, the maintenance is just not non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> not non-existent. Yes. Oh my gosh. I worked at places where I've just brought in my own rubbing alcohol to clean things, and that's not uncommon. Yeah, really. or my own like rag to wipe down the pole. Yeah. Because I'm just like I'm literally slipping down everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Which is not fun. Yes. <laughs> being at different clubs all the time, like being on the circuit, is challenging for those reasons because you're not familiar with the stage, you're not familiar with the pole, the safety aspect, things like that. So for for when you're doing more aerial arts in the club, how did you approach them to be like, hey, I want to do this act. Would this be okay? Oh, I just out? bring it in. You just bring it in. You're yeah. Just like, I'm just going to do this. The places I've worked at have been really good. If I book through an agency, I'll, I'll say I do aerial work. I'll say, can I bring my silks? And they'll know. Yeah. And then usually when you confirm the booking with the club, you can ask questions then and see how what the ceiling height is like. And yeah, and anytime I'm at a new club, I go early and check it out. Like any like any performance, if it's yeah. a new venue and you have set up, you just go early to check it out. How has that experience been? Because I, I just don't see many many artists doing that here. I think but it's just like the Grand Wall the Grand Wall Strip obviously has a height for that, but I don't. Alberta's see. good. Alberta's, Alberta's good. good for yeah. And then you're leaving for Alberta soon, right? I've been to Edmonton before. That's kind of where I I used to work there when I was in school, and yeah, I'm going back there. Soon, yeah. Yay! Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Yay! So you were born and raised in Alberta then? Born and raised in Vancouver, went to Edmonton for law school, came back to Vancouver for my article, and I have been here ever since. So that Yay. was maybe five, six years ago, five years ago. Okay, so you've been dancing, you've been dancing and performing for a while now then. Um, as a stripper? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's almost almost ten years ish. Oh wow. Minus the year and a half that I took off for my article into work as an associate, which I didn't strip for that period of time, but I went back right after. <laughs> You're like, and that's done. Yeah, I'm like, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I did not get rid of my giant thing of stripper shit when I started my article. <laughs> I want to dive into the topic of law school and how that was, and also stripping for, I guess you funded school yourself. Then? I got help. Yeah, okay. I was I was fortunate. I had some help. I paid for some things myself. I had some support. I applied for like what do they call them bursaries? Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so long ago, Free money. Long ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, please help me. I'm poor. Money. Yeah. That. That was good. I was fortunate. I mean, I was I was very fortunate. Did you mainly get into stripping to fund your schooling? Or, as you no. said, because you just really wanted to do it? Seems like it's a long story. It's not really a long story. It's just my life, as it pertains to law, is just sort of an afterthought. It's like a side note, you know? So... When I finished my undergrad, which I did at SFU, which I absolutely loved, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do with my life. So I think it was around that time that I started stripping. It was while I was still in undergrad. And then I studied for the LSAT because I was like, you know what? Whatever. I'll just see what happens. Just Richards and Giggles. Yes. (laughs) Basically, yes. I applied to a bunch of schools. I was like, yeah, again, whatever, just see what happens. And I think I knew I wanted to go away. I was waitlisted for UVic, but I got into U of A. And the tuition at U of A at the time was more affordable. And I knew that the money in Alberta was really good for dancing. So that was sort of the perfect compliment. You know, I could go there, strip, and then also just get a degree on the side. So my work in stripping did help me fund my school in that sense. Okay. But that's not why I did it, More, I, I guess. guess. almost like curiosity or like, I don't know what to do. So I guess maybe I'll fall into this or... You know, honestly, I don't... I just got in and I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess so. I guess this is sort school. of This is sort of my life is like, you know, an opportunity comes and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We'll just see how it goes. And then I just take it. Yeah. Sometimes I, I think them. maybe I should put in a little bit more thought before I do these things. But also whatever. YOLO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, why why agonize over, you know, what should I do? This or that, whatever, blah blah blah. Right. Yeah, it's like you just I'm more of the type of person who's just like, oh, I'll just do it and figure it out later. So, so far it's worked out, I think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in an alternate universe I'm doing better. Maybe not. Whatever, right? <laughs> so I try not to think about that. I'm just sort of like, oh, well, if there's this opportunity and I don't hate it, maybe I'll just do it and see what happens. Did you study criminology at SFU? No. 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 Because it's a great school of criminology because I went to SFU for criminology. SFU is such (laughs) a great university. It's just so, I just loved it so much. Yeah. It was so amazing. I think, you know what, now that we're talking about it, I think I was sort of chasing that high by going to law school, you know, because I don't know why I didn't just do a master's. I think that would have been more in line with intellectually what I was looking for, but Mm -hmm. I guess I was stupid and I was like, oh, whatever, (laughs) law school sounds like a great idea. Um, No. Yeah, SFU was great. It was so fun. What were you intellectually looking for? I just loved my undergrad so much. What did you study? So I did communications Mm -hmm. and biology. 
So what? the biology part, the biology okay. part was just fun because I thought I was going to work in conservation and save animals and stuff. That's nice. <laughs> Didn't work out. <laughs> but the communications part was just so fun for me. It was just like all this post-structuralism and like critical theory. And I was like, yes, this stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this running joke within communication studies that for anyone who's studying that and in, in your first or second year, you you reach a point where you're the most annoying person to watch anything with because you just like pick it all apart <laughs> so yeah I was that person it was it was amazing and I had really great professors who just let me do whatever I wanted with papers and were so great with giving me different sources and forcing me to be better it was just the best experience so I think I was looking for more of that more like fuck the system even though you're still in an ivory tower setting it's yeah. just <laughs> yeah it's like it's very interesting a communications degree is very interesting in that sense and but I loved do it so much with that too so many different areas like a lot of my friends that study communications went more more so into marketing and PR and digital marketing and that whole way yeah that things. was not my yeah, I know. So I was like, I'm like okay this is not the way this is going yeah I know not that at all <laughs> So law school came went, and you specialized in criminal law? So at U of A, you just take all of their kajillion corporate-minded prerequisites or whatever to graduate, Mm -hmm. which I think most law schools kind of have that. So you don't, yeah, so you don't really, at U of A, you don't specialize in criminal law to get your degree, but you can do things to tailor your degree to get what you want out of it. And that's something I think I would say that you should do regardless of what your degree is. Is, is really make that experience your own rather than just jumping through hoops you know you're going to be there anyway so you might as well study things that you care about right yeah yeah exactly yeah so I I think I worked for the student criminal law clinic in first year and then or I volunteered in first year and then I worked for them over the summer and I kind of knew I kind of already knew I was like okay it's either going to be some like saving the animals stuff or it's going to be criminal <laughs> defense and then because the saving the animal stuff turned out to be really boring because it's just dealing with oh it's just like legislation like oh god I was like uh or maybe I just had a really bad experience in one of the classes I took I don't know it just turned you off yeah I was just like no that's that's cool I do think it's really important work though but just perhaps not for me unless it's field work you know just like actually sitting in a plane counting how many cheetahs there are in like a grid and then yeah so that would be cool but that's yeah (laughs) don't really need law school for that you could just do it <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think after working for the student law clinic between first and second year, I was like, yeah, no, this is, if I continue in law, this is what I'm going to do. Okay, that's really interesting. Is that like more because, from, okay, what aspect of criminal law do you like? I love criminal law. <laughs> the nearest yes. part of Honestly, it's just the only area that I care about because you cannot get me to care about family law or business law. It's just like, I just don't care. We pretty just, shy. I just do not care. As a defense lawyer, you play your, I don't know. I, just, I don't know. This is a good question because there's so many aspects to the answer. You can answer it in many um, ways as you want. Like, <laughs> it's really up to you. You get the most client impact okay go on no good questions okay like a good chunk of these questions are mine okay okay perfect so we'll we'll get into that we'll get into that after but i just want to know like okay now this is going to be off topic but i just want to know so when you're defending someone that you know is guilty 
Is that difficult for no. you? No. No, I don't care if they're guilty or not. This is everyone is entitled to a fair trial. Yes. You know? What is the point of having rule of law? What is the point of having these courts if we're just gonna be like, well, I know you're guilty, fuck you. And also a lot of the time you have to look at the greater context of something, you know? I know this is not all the cases, but it's a lot of them. If you go to community court or two 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 Main Street, the provincial court, do you think that these people actually want to be stealing toast from somewhere? You think that this person walked into shoppers this morning and they fucking wanted to steal like $5 of cashew bars? No, it's because they're starving, right? Why are they starving? Perhaps it's because society has failed them somewhere down the line. And it's really easy for people who have privilege to be like, oh, well, you need to take responsibility for your life or, you know, everyone's blah, blah, like you have free will. Yeah, Yeah. you're responsible, blah, blah. Like, okay, sure. There's some, some degree of that, but what are we as a society going to do about it just slap them with a criminal record and now they can never get a job because now they're tarnished and that's and like exactly now. what you don't know what trauma this person has suffered and you know everyone has trauma no one's perfect and we all deal with it differently but i just don't think that it's an appropriate response for people of privilege to judge people who are underprivileged by saying oh well that's your fault like you need to take responsibility you know so this is like a whole yeah, yeah this is great <laughs> and that's <laughs> It just really, really bothers me. It just really bothers me when people are like, oh, but what if he's guilty? And I'm like, well, what if they're really underprivileged and society already hates them from the moment they were born? They weren't given a fair chance. What about that? This is exactly the response I was hoping for because I was like, I know when people used to ask me that question when I was studying. I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see if he would get fired up, and he did. Oh, one hundred percent. So good. This like, is wow, the thing. This, this is, is the so thing good. that gets all defense lawyers going for sure. You know, <laughs> or you know, anyone, defense lawyers or social workers, mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah, because definitely like a lot of work in that field in Vancouver, and you can see it. Yes. I live on Hastings Street. You can see all the disparity that's out here. So I can really tell that you're really passionate about that. So it just bothers me. No, it's great. I think it's a good thing. It's so great that you're like sitting here in your Yelltown loft with your six dollar Starbucks and you're like, oh well, I don't know why you felt like you need to break into a car, blah blah blah. Yeah, but people people do think like that often more times. I mean, I don't know. I live in Yelltown, not in a loft, and I buy six dollar coffee and I've lived a quite a privileged life, but I don't think that. It's just Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Like check your privilege. Yeah, check it. Well, one, it's check privilege, and then two, I just feel like there's not a lot of people have the ability to empathize. It's so infuriating. Yeah, it's very it's infuriating. So, are you still practicing? law then as a defense lawyer? I take referrals from certain lawyers that I know and I, I just do research for them or if they need help with something I'll do that okay. but I don't take my own files anymore. So you were doing that for a while after you graduated for about how long? I articled at a small defense firm and after my article or I guess during my article they invited me to come back as an associate and so I think the whole period of articling and being an associate lasted maybe a bit over a year and a half. I think partway through me working there as an associate, I just decided that I didn't want to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that more because of the nature of the job or because you just want to spend more time on creative and 
being a dancer? Um, Where did that come from? A lot of different things. I just didn't feel like it was the best use of my energy and my time. Well, I knew it wasn't the best use of my energy or my time. But that's still cool that you're still doing that now as well. I guess on a very part-time or just yes. as yes. a basis, which is really interesting. Okay, because there are a lot of questions. I'm gonna, <laughs> there's going to be lots more of these questions. Okay. Here, but there, guys, there's seriously, like, so much. It's, I, I keep scrolling. It's like, out of control. This is the record so far. But um, <laughs> I guess we'll go into some Q&A. Okay. So, a couple of questions here. It wouldn't happen, but do you feel Canada should have the death penalty for a first-degree murder? I don't want to answer this question. Can we not? <laughs> can, can we skip. just not? Can you skip that one? What are your thoughts on mandatory minimum sentences? Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay, so the questions are half and half. It's like half law based and half. What is this like ask a criminal defense lawyer day? Just... <laughs> okay. You can elaborate as much or as little as you'd like. Uh, Okay, mandatory minimum sentences. First of all, I just have to be really nitpicky, but you don't have to call them mandatory and minimum sentences. They're the same thing. If it's mandatory, then that's minimum. And if it's the minimum, then that's mandatory. You don't have to be redundant. So that's really annoying. (laughs) Also, it... It is unfortunate because it takes the discretion away from the court, the judges, and lawyers who have worked in the system for a long time. And you know what? Who are judges? They were lawyers too. So obviously they can assess what is a fair sentence. Why are we getting all these politicians who've never spent a day in court or worked with these people to be like, oh yeah, you know what? You did this. You should arbitrarily get this. It's just like so stupid. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, People sometimes will say, you know, I'll give them an example Mm -hmm. of someone who is given a disproportionately unfair sentence and someone's like, well, you know, that's like the exception. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) The whole point is to cater the sentence to the person. It's an individualized process. Yes. You know? So the thing with these mandatory minimum sentences is that they do not allow for the exception. That's the whole point, right? right? And thing in in provinces like Alberta, they have sentencing guidelines and things like that. So case law that suggests, okay, so you have an offense that's sort of like this, you know, this is sort of the range you should be looking for, and then these are the mitigating factors. You know, just there's all these different things that both the crown and the defense lawyer take into account, and then the court will put it all together and then decide and distribute an appropriate yes, sentence. That's how it should on, be, right? Yes. But then instead, we have some people sitting from their whatever ivory tower or whatever you have it, churning out these completely arbitrary sentences mm-hmm. that are supposed to just fit One any. Fits yeah, all like kind of what? That yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. It's so ridiculous. I don't even. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. Like, how does that even make sense? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense too. We really agree. So great answer, though. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think restorative justice works versus punitive punishment? Oh, God. This is just like... 
individualized process guys i don't i don't maybe because of the type of person i am punishing someone can take different forms Mm -hmm. because you know denunciation and deterrence are important but it doesn't just mean like jail because i think that's stupid right it's like do you want this person who has been convicted or pled guilty to an offense like what 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 next because even if you send them to jail, they're probably going to come back into society. So you want them to be productive or not? Do you want to support them in doing that or not? I do think restorative justice, I think it should really be the default. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the way the system is now, there just are not those resources available. That's really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. And that's a reality, guys. Also, sorry, oh, just more. one more thing. But there's more. <laughs> it's just, and it's actually more expensive for the taxpayer to keep someone in jail. In jail than, yeah. yeah. And put them on parole. Yeah, exactly. Fair and have them in the community. So, yeah, you guys want tough on crime? Throw them in jail? Well, then you're paying for it. Whatever. But the model's not working, though. Of course not. Of course not. It's been working for years. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways. So as a defense lawyer, you kind of try to make little changes here and there. Maybe you can make it better for one client. Maybe you can, I don't know. It's it's hard though. It's, it is hard. It's a hard job to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my two questions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I see. You just wanted to get my blood boiling. Yes. <laughs> I <get a> success. <laughs> now we're going to go into more questions. Well, the first question wasn't mine. That was somebody else's. But um, everything else is <laughs> from everybody else. So. Okay, let's hear it. And you have some more people that study criminology here as well. So um, <laughs> how can we solicit prostitution and be a prostitute without getting in trouble with the oh law? God, I don't want to know. Can we skip this one? This okay. is like getting into like legal advice and it's just like it's just the whole... No. These next ones might be considered the same, but can... Okay, these are things that you can research right? too, right? Like you... <laughs> can also okay anyway it's ask a lawyer day apparently no <laughs> no um anything you want to get just let me know um okay but i guess sites like seeking arrangement are you oh i wish arrangement? i oh man i wish <laughs> i wish i could i just do not have the emotional labor to care Having said that, though, if anybody wants to give me money for, I don't know, whatever you want, send me your offers now. (laughs) Send some PayPal to Jennifer. Thanks. Yes. (laughs) So, open call. Just, you come to me. She's taking offers, guys. How much money will you give me? What do you want in return? I'll review it and let you know. (laughs) That's kind of like seeking arrangement. Yeah, but then... They'll message and be like, you know. It's just a lot of work. But this person was asking, can seeking arrangement stuff be considered? Skip. Skip. (laughs) How can we screen clients and johns to make sure they aren't cops? Well, you can't really know for sure. Like, you know, a good a good undercover will like. like, Can we just skip this one too? Because okay, look, there's a lot of things that you can do to ensure your safety, and if you are fortunate, you will have a good support network. Mm -hmm. I know not everyone is lucky enough to have that but there are people hopefully in your life who will be able to help you with that you know yeah, and don't definitely. be afraid of reaching out to other sex workers does your lawyer life know about your stripper life yeah everyone knows yes yeah because you're pretty transparent but it's not a secret guys no <laughs> so i guess she has a two-part question then i guess do you keep the two worlds separate no no right i mean they kind of are separate because they two don't. Different yeah. They don't ever touch. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. I mean, they don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't try to keep them separate. Yeah. They just are polar opposite. They just. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
How do you manage your time doing all the badass, awesome things that you do? Aww. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I just, I don't. I just, I don't really. I have lists. So every week I have a list of things that I want to get done. Every day I have a list of things I want to get done. And I have longer term lists. I just think that life is a never ending series of lists that go through and crush it off. But I mean, how do I manage my... You know, honestly, I just like barely do really. <laughs> you know? managing to stay afloat. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's giving me a lot of credit where I don't really think I deserve it. So, yeah. <laughs> you deserve it. You're doing a lot. You're dropping a lot. So I guess. But... Sometimes I don't, you know? <laughs> we have your days. We're all human. <laughs> Ariel Silks, where can you take beginner lessons? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there are a few studios. Tantra Fitness in Vancouver, Circus West. There's also a really great studio in Mission called Triumph Acrobatics. Yeah, Jen, yes. hi, hi. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Oh, does she listen to this? I don't know if she does, but hi, um, hi. I love her. She actually taught me when I was when I was starting to learn. Yeah, what? her and Alex. Yeah, oh, are really yes. great. I teach at Triumph, or I will be in January. Oh, fun! Yeah, so adding to your list of you can take classes there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've also heard Vancouver Vancouver Circus School is good. I haven't taken classes there though. Right. I think they have two yeah. locations, guys. I think there's New West and North Van. Yeah. Yeah, I think those were that was one of the first circus schools back in the day. Mm-hmm. I wonder if underground circus. I don't know. If I've never have. been there. I've been there, <coughs> but I don't know if they. I, I would assume that they do, but I never looked. I was just there for rehearsal for some show that it was in. But lots of places, guys. Lots and lots of places. Do you think at first law school would end your career as a stripper? I think the answer there is no. Okay, <laughs> I'll trust you. <laughs> Did you decide, oh yeah, did you decide after practicing full-time that stripping was better? I think you always knew that stripping was better. It's not like it's better, guys. It's not like I'm choosing one over the other. Well, I guess kind of I am. They're just just different. At what point did you decide on getting boobs? Have you had any problems with Oh man, this is actually a really good story. (laughs) (laughs) I love this question. So, do you guys remember when, in between, when Britney Spears came out with her first song, Hit Me baby one more time and crazy yes so at some point in between people speculated over whether she got boobs this and that blah blah blah, and there was this whole big debate everyone was just completely obsessed with that (laughs) meanwhile me being like holy shit you can do that (laughs) and because i looked at my mom looked at my grandma and i was like oh fuck it's not gonna happen for me (laughs) so i knew that was when i knew i was like i'm getting boobs so (laughs) and then I did they're really small implants though they're not you know because at the time I was still doing Chinese dance and all those other more traditional styles of dance Mm -hmm. and not stripping yet so which is actually an important theme that I explored in my piece strip her for shooting gallery last year yeah what is this wait explain so the company Future Leisure, mm-hmm. have you, do you know, you know Julie, Julie Chapel? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Future Leisure puts on shooting gallery performance series twice a year. It's actually coming up in November this week. Oh yeah, my this God. Week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know if it's going to, yeah. We'll be yeah, in we'll January. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so it's twice a year. And then last year in the spring, I, I did a piece and it was chosen for that the series and it was called mm-hmm. Strip Her and it explored the judgments that dancers face both inside and outside of the stripping world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a video of performance or anything like that? I or? do. Yes. I have a Dropbox link. Okay. <laughs> if anyone wants to see it, I'm sure they can bug you for it. Yeah, it was really <laughs> great. Really cool. It was it was a really great piece. It was a contemporary dance piece. And I used music from a local artist. Oh, wow. And I got my brother and my friend to record voiceovers that were interspersed in the music. And it was this whole, the soloist, who was me, did this whole transformation from ballet dancer to stripper. And there was, there were these voiceovers going on. And I thought it was really powerful, even if it's just for myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah. They're going to ask me for that video later. Okay. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Dropbox link. Okay, cool. I guess, second part of the question, have we had any problems with said boobs? I have not, but I got mine before I was stripping. Okay. So mine are under the muscle. I think if I were to do it again, well, like not again, I guess if I were to do it today, not having had the surgery, I probably would maybe do maybe over the muscle. I don't know. What's the difference between under the muscle or over the muscle? It's, it's just the tense. placement of the implant. But I mean, I'm happy with them, so no yeah, I don't. Problem, just no, like you just have to... You know, massage and stretch out and stuff and do the rehab. But because I wasn't stripping at the time, I I think I, yeah, I had a pretty easy recovery. Yay. Yeah. I guess this question doesn't really apply, but do you have staff at your law business? No. I don't have an office. Exactly, right? Like, no. (laughs) And also, as a defense lawyer, I did not have staff. So after I worked at that firm for a year and a half, I went out on my own for maybe half a year to a year where I was still working as a defense lawyer taking my own files but in my own office mm-hmm. and at that time I had staff that because I shared the office with other lawyers and it was mostly their staff okay. but because it was just me as a sole practitioner I just did not find that it would be worthwhile to have staff because as a defense lawyer you do most of your own research anyway so it's not like you can delegate to anyone else and then it's like I take all my own client meetings I schedule all my own things so like, this kind of <laughs> like yeah I would just it would take me more effort to explain to someone how to do something and then pay them for it when I could just just to yourself yeah, yeah. <laughs> how has stripping affected your dating life I'll just skip this question <laughs> next <laughs> i hate questions like that like i don't know how has your life affected your dating life like just yeah it's just life how are you as a person like yeah. <laughs> i guess you might want to skip this question too <laughs> do you emphasize your stripper or law identity more when dating oh my gosh skip this yeah. question <laughs> I don't emphasize, like, either. I'm just just a person. You're just you, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do you find people fetishize you as a good girl gone bad or anything like that? Oh, there's so many fetishes. It's so entertaining to me. I don't know if it's, like, a good girl gone bad thing. I don't know. That's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely a lot of that. In this industry. In anywhere, Mm -hmm. actually. I mean, we can talk about this all day, but my personal experiences have been I faced more misogyny in law than as a stripper, personally. I felt more empowered to deal with it as a stripper than as a lawyer, I think. Can you elaborate on that? Yes, I was going to. I was like, that was an awful answer. (laughs) That's okay, no, it's so much from this answer. 
As a lawyer, in situations where I've been faced with blatant misogyny or a backhanded comment or mansplaining or oh something gosh. like that. Yeah, along those lines. Microaggressions, anything. It does not really serve me to talk back. So a lot of the time in those situations, not all the time, but most of the time, I would just not say anything. I would just take it and then be annoyed at it later. As a stripper, it's completely different. I mean, I have told men off so many times. And sometimes in a mean way, sometimes in a, you know, like, yeah, totally, like, principal way or something like that. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you're more empowered and able to fulfill the role of an educator as a stripper. Mm -hmm. And you are more able to engage in the re-education of the patriarchy as a stripper than as a female lawyer. And I do think that the misogyny in law, for me, has been worse, actually. Way worse. Or just, I guess, some things that you had mentioned. My favorite example, which I have told this story many times because it is my favorite. (laughs) I was in the Supreme Court of British Columbia and I was there for just a very simple docket appearance which is basically you show up you're like hey we're not ready to go yet can we get a couple weeks but it's like way more formal yeah so (laughs) that's that's the gist like it wasn't you know whatever (laughs) anyway so at the time there were other lawyers there dealing with their matters and I was wearing what you would typically wear for a docket appearance so because it's not a serious appearance you don't have to wear the robes Mm -hmm. so I was just wearing you know a suit like skirt blazer with I don't know whatever shirt and then I had these shoes that were maybe an inch of heel suede Mary Jane straps. Okay. So I do this appearance. I notice that there's senior lawyers whispering behind me. Not uncommon. Whatever. Okay. And then... I hear through a colleague that what had actually happened was while I was doing my docket appearance, a senior male lawyer had leaned over to another male lawyer while I was speaking in court and said, hey, she's wearing fuck me shoes. Oh my god. Are you fucking I'm a stripper. I know that those are not fuck me shoes. 100% they're not fuck me shoes. Are you kidding me? Well. Yeah. And that's kind of common too, with like just stupid comments like that. That's really disrespectful. That's, disrespectful. that's so disrespectful. Not even just to me, like I don't care, but you know, to women mm-hmm. as a whole and to the court. You're a senior defense lawyer. What are you doing? You know, like fuck. But good story though. <laughs> it's an excellent story. I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Did you get into circus or pole first? It was pole first before circus. And did you say ballet when you were younger? Yes. Yes. So, wow. Cool. Oh my god, we got through all of them. Yay. so fast. Yay. We did it. Well, that was a super informative and fun podcast (laughs) episode today. (laughs) I'm sorry for all the legal stuff and all the law. (laughs) But those were the questions. Those were the questions that we were given. I just read them out. So... I guess a lot of people just wanted to know, but um, before we let you go, though, um, <laughs> do you want to talk about um, where we can find you? Oh, you if can you find me found? on Instagram. <laughs> All my things are on Instagram. You can find my classes there. You can find, yeah, where I'm teaching, where I'm performing, my upcoming art projects. What's your Instagram handle? <laughs> <laughs> It's just my name, Jennifer Summer Ashley. Yeah. I also have another podcast that you guys can check out. It's called Strippers with Anxiety. Oh, yeah. No, I'll speak about that, too. Oh, yeah. Let's okay. That <laughs> wasn't in my notes. I'm bad. Okay. Strippers with Anxiety, yes. which is great, guys. you got to be able to listen to it. It's so funny. It's not... I can't take credit for it. It actually came about as a result of 
my other stripper sisters talking, I just made the Anchor account. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what is strippers with anxiety? It's just a really fun, well, fun for us way of getting our stories out there we just basically press record whenever we're in the change room or sometimes in my car and we just talk about random shit (laughs) guys give it a a listen make sure you follow that rate it and like it and is there anywhere else you can find these you have any other upcoming projects you mentioned you will be working on a show in the springtime and then i haven't like super announced it yet so okay never mind i mean no we can yeah (laughs) just it's Everything is on my Instagram, so I think that's the best way to yeah. keep in touch. To keep in touch, to see what I'm up to. Yeah. Also, sign up for my OnlyFans. OnlyFans. If you were a man and you want me to DM you, sign up for my OnlyFans, because otherwise, I'm probably not going to respond. And what else? Oh yeah, I do lash lifts now. So anyone who wants a <laughs> lash lift, let me know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All-time hustler. Or if there anybody wants me to come hang out with their animals, let me know. Yay, I'm sorry I have animals. I just have fake ones, and that's all. But <laughs> And lots of shoes on my bookshelf, and yeah. <laughs> I love I love your shoe collection. Thank you. Yeah. I have many, and yeah. there are a couple missing from there because it doesn't fit on my thing. But <laughs> I actually got rid of so much stuff because I thought I was moving. To Alberta? Or no, I thought, I thought I was moving to California. Oh, whoa. Um, but anyway. Anyway, I'm not. What's so, that story? It doesn't know. <laughs> I just thought I was moving and then like it didn't happen. Uh, so yeah, in the process of getting ready for my move, I got rid of so much crap. Uh, and it felt good to get rid of it. Yeah, but it's very cathartic. Yes, so cathartic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's the best. Um, something that all strippers and sex workers and shift workers will understand is dropping your shit off and doing random errands at like four in the morning. So I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I've driven to Value Village at 4 30 a.m with bags of crap because that's the only time that it's ready and i yeah so whoever works at valley village i'm sorry for doing that thank you for sorting through all my crap um yeah (laughs) at least it's going to someone like a good home hopefully yeah i've given people some because you know people will sometimes be there at that time and i've given people stuff when i see them yeah which is great i gave someone a jacket there he was like oh do you have I was like, what are you looking for? He's like, oh, just warm clothes. I'm like, I have a jacket, but it won't fit you. He's like, oh, my wife's around here. I'm like, oh, I'll take it. I don't want it. Yeah, please, take it. Yeah. And I live down the street from Valley Village, too, so it's just, oh, that's like, right, yeah. just like dropping shit off. It is the holiday season. Well, actually, it won't be the holiday season when this episode comes out, but... <laughs> Anyways, um, it was so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having Yay. me. Yay, Thank that you. was so great. Sorry for all the rambling and all the... <laughs> oh, that's that's my whole life is just a giant rambling session, Which really. Hope you guys are still listening at this point, but... <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And um, that's another episode wrapping up for Strip by Sia. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and follow Instagram. It is Strip by Sia and my personal Sia stuff. And we'll catch you guys again next week. And we're going to get out of here because I'm hungry now. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>